Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. Welcome to Apostolic Lighthouse Church. We're so glad that you're joining us virtually today. So wherever you're at, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're gathered this morning, we welcome you. Welcome your families, and we're so glad that you're here today. Before we get started, let's just pray and ask God to bless this service and to bless this message. Dear God, I worship you with all my heart today, God, and I pray that you would bless each and every person that's tuning in right now to join us, that you would bless each person, bless their homes, bless their families. I thank you, God, for touching each and every one, and let this message go forth and be a blessing to those that hear it. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you guys, welcome. So late last year, I have to tell you, This was like, I think, November of 2019. I found myself in the dentist's chair. And I love my dentist and all, and I think he's an exceptional human being, but I like to keep those visits few and far between. Like for my cleanings, and that's about it. But I told him about this sensitivity that I was having in my front left tooth. It got so bad that I started avoiding cold drinks and ice cream. When you start avoiding ice cream, it's time to see somebody about your problem, okay? It was time for a checkup. So he referred me to an endodontist to test that tooth. How did he test it? He grabbed between tweezers a very tiny piece of dry ice, and he held it up to that tooth. Well, I I about bit the ceiling. And then he calmly goes, you're going to need a root canal. And... I thought, a root canal? What? I have no cavities. I always get a good report on my cleanings. How is that even possible? Well, the root canal was a result of a nerve being aggravated from an old high school injury. So today, just now, I'm experiencing pain, the consequences of an injury that happened years ago. Decisions made today may not affect today, but you better believe that they're going to show up someday, whether that be tomorrow or the day after that. Interesting. Well, the day of the root canal, the endodontist, and I might be saying that wrong, I should have Googled it, but anyway, he brought out a very large needle, and he told me I was going to feel a pinch. It was way more than a pinch, But soon, the left side of my mouth was completely numb from the local anesthesia, and I didn't feel a thing. I was totally aware and totally awake throughout the entire root canal experience, but they covered my eyes. However, I still observed everything. I heard everything, and I even felt the pushes and pulls of their tools, but no pain. And I remember sitting in that chair, and I thought, that pinch of the needle is kind of like sin. We know it's wrong, and maybe we do it anyway. And at first, maybe we feel guilty. We feel the pinch, the disappointment, the regret, and the shame even. But after a while, the pinch goes away, 
and quickly people can become sin. You're aware of what you're doing, you're conscious of what's going on, but you no longer feel pain or shame or disappointment or regret because you have become numb to this thing that was at first a real shock to your system, a real pinch. Now, how many of you watching from home have either had local anesthesia or general anesthesia where they completely knock you out? Probably one or the other, right? And if you haven't had either, good for you. That's amazing, and I love it. The American Society of Anesthesiologists has defined general anesthesia as a drug-induced loss of consciousness during which patients are not awakened even by painful stimulation. Well, when I was a teenager, I had another fun trip, and this time it was to get my wisdom teeth pulled, and the anesthesiologist knocked me completely out, totally unconscious. And I remember being told to count down from 100, and I think I got to 98, and then I woke up with swollen chipmunk cheeks, my wisdom teeth gone, and in a whole lot of pain. When patients are going under, they experience a series of deficits, says Dr. Howard Nash. He's a scientist at NIH's National Institute of Mental Health. The first is an inability to remember things. A patient might be able to repeat the words that you're saying, but they can't actually recall them after waking up. Next, patients lose their inability to respond. They won't squeeze your fingers or give their names when asked, the doctor said. And finally, they go into deep sedation. You lose awareness and the ability to feel pain, form memories, and even move. You know, some people are living their lives unconsciously. It's as if they've been given anesthesia and they are no longer aware, no longer awake. How many times have you driven to the grocery store or work and you don't actually remember drive? You don't actually remember how you got there because it's all part of the routine. You're on autopilot and just going through the motions. The days turn into weeks, the holidays come and go, and then instead of writing 2019 on your checks, all of a sudden it's 2020. Or students, instead of writing 2019 on your papers, you're writing 2020. You know, I think you guys could all agree that more has happened in the last three months in terms of sickness, pain, death, loss, and civil unrest than I have ever seen in my entire life. The state of affairs that we are in have shaken a lot of people up. It's made people rethink opinions, priorities, and what's truly important in our very limited time here on Earth. We need to wake up. We need to be awake, be present, be participants in this gift of life that God has granted us. I found it interesting. I was listening to the Bob Goff podcast, and an anesthesiologist friend of his described how you know a patient is waking up after a, a procedure, and it happens in stages. First, you can tell in the patient's eyes because the eyes are not focused. The anesthesiologist said that in some patients, one eye is to the complete right and one eye is to the complete left. Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 through 24 says, the light of the body is the eye. 
If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. The phrase, if thine eye be single in that context, indicates devotion to one purpose. The single eye refers to a single fixed vision or goal. So the eyes go from not being focused to starting to focus, and then the anesthesiologist starts having the eyes trained to fix on something in the room. Well, we need to remember the capital WHO that we are keeping our eyes fixed upon, Jesus. The only way that our eyes will focus, the only way that we will be able to continue to see things clearly and decipher whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, and whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely and of good report, if there be any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, we've got to meditate on these things. That's Philippians 4 verse 8. The only way that we can do that is to turn our eyes and focus our eyes upon Jesus. After the anesthesiologist can get your eyes to focus on something, guess what follows? The awareness of who you are. Who are you? And some of you are like, um, you could say your name right now. I know who I am. Thanks. Right? I'm the daughter of so-and-so, or I'm this position at work, or my name is this, or these are my, this is my educational background. These are the degrees that I have on my wall. No, who are you? Do you know? And I'm not talking about who your friends say that you are, who your enemy says that you are, who your neighbors say that you are, or who the devil says that you are. Who are you? Let me remind you, you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, master of the universe, creator of all. You were bought with the precious blood of Jesus, and when you are born, again of water and of spirit his blood flows over you and through you your rebirth in jesus christ is a royal birth making you royalty the quickest way to know who you are is to remember who he is annie f down said the more i know god the more sure i am of me and that was so powerful it's so true the more we know him the more sure we can be of who we are Mickey Mangan, a wonderful pastor's wife in Louisiana, once held up her Bible in a conversation with me, and she said this, this is where my confidence comes from. When you start to wake up and snap out of it, you start to remember who you are. After you remember who you are, the anesthesiologist said the patient then begins to recognize where they are. I was always captivated by the story of Adam and Eve. After they ate the forbidden fruit in the book of Genesis, they hid from God. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 9 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? Now, don't kid yourself. Lord knows where we are, people. He knew where Adam and Eve were. 
He knew exactly which area of trees they were hiding behind. He's God of all. But his question is speaking to the location of their hearts and the status of where they were at spiritually. Where are you? Where's your heart at? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says, But know this, that in the last days, which we're in, people, blessings. If you didn't know that, allow me to remind you, we're in the last days. Perilous times will come, for people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Where are you? It can be so easy if we're not careful to be lost in the house. It can be so easy to lose sight of where we are and stray from the path if our eyes are not fixed on Jesus. So where are you, the Lord called to Adam, and his response is in verse 10 of chapter 3, and he said, so I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Stop hiding from God. He already saw what you did. He loved you before you did it. He loved you while you were doing it, and he's going to love you after. God's love is not dependent upon our achievements or what I did right today. And it certainly isn't lessened by our failures or mistakes. And some of you might not really be able to comprehend or even understand this because you were raised by a father that only paid attention to you when you did something right. Or you were raised by a mother who only showed you love when she thought you were worthy. That's not our God. And it's hard to understand God when we look at him through the lens of humanity or from those role models that we may have in our lives. But God is love. He is love. And I don't have to achieve one thing for God to love me. How amazing is that? I don't have to do anything to be loved by God. Nothing. How freeing is that? He loves me just the way that I am. And if you're hiding from him because the devil is whispering in your ear that you really messed up this time or that you're not enough, I bind that and I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Rebuke the devil and he will flee. When Jesus hung on that cross, he died for you. He died for you while you're in the midst of your sin. And if you're still struggling for some, with something in your life and you haven't let go of it, he loves you just where you're at. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ didn't die for the good. He didn't die for the perfect people. I, don't, I haven't met one yet. He died for the sinners. He loves you no matter what. On your worst day, Jesus loves you. And his love is never changing. God is love. So where are you this morning? And maybe where you are has nothing to do with sin. Maybe you left that under the blood. But you're still not where God intended you to be, where you were created to be, because you were made for more than this. You were made for greater than where you are at or what you are doing. You're playing it safe. You're playing it small. 
And as children of the king, we have a royal purpose in his kingdom. We need to pursue that. We need to find that and live that for his glory. So we come to the final stages of waking up. After the anesthesiologist notices that the eyes have focused, trains them to look at something and fix their eyes on something in the room, can see that the awareness of who you are has come back and where you are has come back, finally comes the awareness of what's happening around you. I find the steps of coming awake, coming out of unconsciousness very interesting. Until we can focus our eyes on what's important, understand who we are, understand where we are, we cannot physically handle or even comprehend what's happening around us. How can we have wisdom in discerning what is happening around us or even empathy for what is happening around us when we don't even know what to focus on, who we are or where we are? We've got to wake up, we've got to get our priorities in order, and it all starts by focusing on the master. God bless you all. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.